Parshas Karach has a number of important themes we've discussed on previous occasions. The toxic power of wealth, according to the Midrash, Karach was corrupted by wealth. Apparently, heresy, the rejection of the Mosaic prophecy and, and, and Moshe's mission from Akash Baruch Hu. Um, Tonight we're going to discuss Machlokas, the kind of the primary angle of Korach, and that was Machlokas, the, the idea that Korach was a Baal Machlokas, Korach was someone who instigated a quarrel. Again, in previous years we focused on challenging, certainly Moshe Rabbeinu, but even challenging the Gedolei Hadar, challenging the leaders of the generation, the outstanding Torah scholars, outstanding rabbinic leaders, but, but tonight we're just going to focus on Machlokas per se, on the... The Torah's attitude toward Machlokas, some, some lessons from the Parsha, and some discussions of later poskim on Machlokas-related topics. So, in the middle of the Parsha, after Korach has been swallowed up by the ground, and Korach's men who brought the Ketaris, a fire came from Hashem and burned them. So Hashem commanded, Hashem commanded Moshe, he says, tell Elazar ben Aaron Akoin, he should take these machtos, he should take these pans, the pans they used to bring the Ketaris, the pans were, were Kodesh, and take the machtos of the sinners, make them a plating, a covering for the Mizbech, flatten them out and make them a, make them a covering for the Mizbech. And it should be an ostle of Bnei Yisrael, it should be a sign for the Bnei Yisrael. And the, the Torah relates, Elazar did so. It was Zikaron of Bnei Yisrael, this was a memorial for the, for the Jews. Lamana sher lo yekravish dara sher lo mizera aron hu lahakrik tarath of Hashem. No man who is no alien, no man who is not a Kohen, who is not part of the, 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 the select group of Kohanim, not from the descendants of Aaron. No man, like, no man who is not a Kohen should approach to offer a Ketaris before Hashem. And he shall not be like Korach and his assembly. As Hashem spoke, Biad Moshe, via Moshe. The end of this Pasuk is a little bit unclear. What, how do we translate the simple reading is it's, uh, it's an admonition don't be like Karach don't, 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 uh, don't start up with, uh, with Kahuna don't start up with, uh, with Hashem's plan for the Jewish people we'll see, not everyone learns like that what does the end of the Pasuk mean as Hashem spoke what does that mean exactly the Gemara Sanhedrin says that being machzik machlokas is a terrible thing it actually learns that from the beginning of our parsha. It says that Moshe arose by Yaakov Moshe by Yelech Vaviram. Moshe attempted to propitiate Dustin Vaviram. He went to them to try to to try to uh, calm things down. Moshe was in the right. They were the troublemakers. Dustin Vaviram. They were the ones who should have come to him to to, to, to ask for any concessions or to, or, or to reconcile themselves to him. Moshe, even though he could have said, "I'm in the right. I'm not going to. I'm not going to go to them." Because being Maxik and Machlokas is so terrible, Moshe was willing to, despite being in the right, Moshe was willing to put himself out and go to them in the hope that he could calm the Machlokas. Then the Gemara says, Domarav, we see how terrible it is to be Maxik and Machlokas. Kolha Maxik and Machlokas over Belav. Anyone who perpetuates a, a dispute violates a biblical prohibition. Shenemar, The Gemara seems to say, this Pasuk we just read, that people shall not be like Korach v'chadaso, that is a lav, that is a prohibition, it's a lav of being like Korach. Rambam does not accept this. The Rambam wrote his Sefer mitzvahs, where he lists all 613 mitzvahs, according to his view. Rambam does not count 
In the Shorashim, he wrote an introduction where he, where he gives a number of broad principles explaining how he decides what to count and what not to count. So in the Shorashim, he explains why he does not count He explains, he goes through an elaborate linguistic, philosophical explanation. He says, when we use words like no, no can be an imperative, do not do this, no, you shall not do this, lo sirtzach, thou shalt not kill. Or he says, sometimes no is descriptive. It's the telling you what will or will not happen. There, there never was a Navi like Moshe Rabbeinu. There, there was, uh, that's not a command, that, that's a statement. That's a statement about the past or the future. So the, the, when, we have, when we have a negation, a negation could be what we call imperative voice, uh, instruction to do or not to do something. Or it can be a description of what will happen, what won't happen, what did happen, what didn't happen. So the Rambam has, has some intricate linguistic analysis of how we know various phrases in the Torah compares it to the, the Arabic language, how, what, what certain words mean. But he says that the important thing to understand is that anything that's not an imperative cannot be counted as a mitzvah. Anything which is descriptive that doesn't command us to do something or prohibit us from doing something cannot be a mitzvah. And he gives, therefore, a variety of examples of psukim in the Torah that are not mitzvahs because they're not imperatives, they're not instructions to do or to refrain from doing. One of them is this pasuk. He says, it's not a mitzvah at all. It is a statement. What is the statement? According to the Rambam, this is Pshutah Shalmikra, he seems to think. According to the Rambam, what, what, what the Torah is saying is that people, that they should make the plating of the Mizbeach as a reminder to the Jews not to challenge the Kahuna. And, and any future, chal- future challenger to the Kahuna, his fate will not be the fate of Korach, who was swallowed by the ground. Rather, his fate will be that, 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 he, that he will get Saras. The Gemara in Sanhedrin goes on and says, anyone who's maxim from Machlokas is royal hits Tareya. Because the Pasuk ends by saying, and by saying, Kashadibra Hashem biyad Moshe. What do we know about Moshe's hand? We have the story in Pasha Shmos. Hashem said, Hashem said, put your hand into your bosom, and he took it out, it was Mitzaras Kasholeg, and here it says, biyad Moshe. So the punishment for Machlokas is Tzaraz, says the Rambam. That's what this Pasuk means. Someone in the future, if Chas Shalom, anyone ever challenges the Kahuna again, his fate will, will not be, not a Tzivoy, the Torah is telling you what to expect. His fate will not be the fate of Korach, who was swallowed by the ground. Rather, his fate will be that he will be afflicted with Tzaras. The Rambam explains that anyone who's Cholik on the Kahuna, from the Bliya and the Shreifa, the being burned, Rather, his punishment will be The idea that that Saras is the punishment, darshaning it here as Shava from Yadcha Bechaykecha. The idea, of course, comes from of course, but uh, my wife explained this to me. But uh, but it's uh, it comes from a narrative in Divrei Hayamim. It says that there was a king named Uziah, Uziyahu. He was from Malchus based David, so of course he was not a Kohen, and he decided he wanted to offer Keturus in the Beis Hamikdash. The Kohanim remonstrated with him. They said, no, please don't do this. You're not a Kohen. You don't belong here. This is, not your, this is not your sphere. He said, no, I'm doing it. I'm the king. I'm going in and doing it. And it says, uh, Tzaraz sprouted in his forehead. He was afflicted by Tzaraz. And he remained in Mitzvah until he died. Um, that's the idea that those who are Cholik Alakuna get Tzaraz, because I'll say Biyad Moshe. So according to the Rambam, is not a Tzivoy at all. It is simply a statement about what his fate will be. His fate will not be Chacharach B'chadaso, be swallowed and burned. His fate will be Tzaras. All of the swallowing is so unique. Uh, 
event. I mean, that was part of creation. That was right. We don't think there's a place to swallow people wherever they might be. Uh, right. And therefore, so therefore, there would have to be a different punishment. Right. So, so the same as Korah. It can't be the same as Korah. That was a unique. Right. So, how are you, Dr. Malcolm, was pointing out that maybe, maybe you don't even need a pasuk for this. Maybe this should be self-evident because Korah was such a one in one, one once in history event. It was already there from Minash Mashas of creation. So, of course, uh, why does there even have to tell you that? All right. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure. Moreover, the Ramam shot is difficult because the Ramam is going against the Gemara. The Gemara says anyone who's Maxi Machlokas is over Balav. The Gemara very much seems to say, clearly says, that it is a Lav. Ramam, of course, deals with that. Rambam says, even though Chazal do say this, anyone who's Maxi Machlokas is over Balav, Rambam dismisses that. Rambam says that's not Smachta, that's just Drush, he says, but that's not Pashte de Kra, and it's, uh, it's not Pashte de Kra, and it's. Uh, Pasha de Kroz is not a lav at all, and it does not get counted as the Tariyak. Rambam also notes that the idea of being Maxi Pumachlokis appears in another lav as well, the lav of Losis Godidu. There also it's not Pasha Pshat. Losis Godidu literally means you shall not cut yourself, which was an ancient pagan practice. It says in the story of Harakarmel, Leo and Harakarmel, it says the Nevi'e Habal, Vayis Godidu Baramachim, they pierced themselves, they cut themselves with swords, with spears. That was an ancient idolatrous practice. The Torah says don't do it. So the simple Losis Godidu means don't, uh, don't cut yourself. Chazal have a famous drasha, Losis go to do, you should not make agudos agudos, you should not make factions, you should not have, it's a prohibition against having different halachic practice in the same basin, in the same city. Again, halacha is full of machlokas, exactly what's being prohibited here is not so clear. But, uh, so the Rambam says, these, these are various asmachtas that, that emerge from these psukim, but focusing on our particular, so according to the Rambam, is not a lav, it does not get counted in the Tarek mitzvahs, it is simply a statement of uh, expectation about the future. Chazal's drasha is a, it, it's a, it's an ethical warning, exhortation against Machlokas, but it is not really what the Pasuk means. Okay. Ramban disagrees. Ramban wrote Hasagas to the Sefer HaMitzvahs. The Ramban wrote that the Ramban was not correct, that this is absolutely is an Azara. How can, you, how can you know better than Chazal, he says? He says that Chazal said it's a... Uh, Chazal said it's a, it's, it's a prohibition. He says, the Rambam's chat that it means the, the, the future challenger to the Kahuna will not meet the same fate as Karach, that's not Pashup Shad. He says, that's, uh, th- th- that's certainly not Pashat. Chazal's chat is Pashup Shad. The Ikrab Shad is that they, sh- that he said, there are, there are, the Ikrab Shad is there are two prohibitions here. The, the covering of them is back, should be a memorial to what happened to Karach, the Chadaso. And, and, and there are two prohibitions that the, the, if you read the Pashat carefully, it says, that a, a non kohen shouldn't enter and do the avodah, and also So, is not counted as a prohibition because we already know that a zar can't. That, that prohibition is mentioned elsewhere. That a zar can't do the avodah. That that's already a established prohibition. The second half of the pasuk of he says that is absolutely a prohibition, and it absolutely is one of the mitzvahs of the Torah. The Ramban, even the Ramban just adds, though he says the the, the Iker Din Daraisa itself is only is only a uh, is only a prohibition against me Cholak Al Kahuna, not any Machlokas. I the Gemara says Kol Hamachtim Machlokas over Balav anything that that's an Asmachtas. The Ramban also agrees the Chazal are that's he doesn't I don't think he uses the word Asmachta. He says that's just Musar. He says, but the Iker Pasuk is limited to a Machlokas against the Kahuna, and Chazal included all Machlokas because Machlokas is so terrible and they wanted to. 
discourage you from all machlokas. And the Raman is also saying that Chazal were not explaining strictly halakhically the Pasuk, but the Raman says fundamentally Chazal are saying it is, a, it is an Azhara, just limited to Kuna. Ramam says it's not an Azhara at all, it's just Musr. The Ramban is saying it is an Azhara, but the Azhara, Mi'ikra, Din, Daraisa, is limited to Maxik Machlokas Alakuna, and Chazal extended it, but Derek Musr, to other type of Machlokas as well. He says, when Chazal talked about Biyad Moshe, meaning Tzaras, it's a Midrash Tanfuma also, that was an Asmachti, he says. It's the simple shot of Biyad Moshe. You have the words Biyad Moshe all over the Torah. It's a common phrase in the Torah, he says. So the Chazal's drusha that it refers to Tzaras, that's an Asmachti, he says, the opposite of the Rambam. That, that the Rambam's reading of the Pasuk is, is drush and it's not asmachta, it's not, it's not Pasha Pshan the Pasuk, the Ikra Pshan the Pasuk is like Chazal, that Lo is a mitzvah, and the Ikra Din is limited to Cholek Alakahuna, and Chazal extended it, but Derek Musur, to other Machlokas as well. When I was preparing this share, so I was, uh, I, I, I was trying to educate myself about which of the Rishonim holds what, about whether this is a, whether this is a lav or a mitzvah or not, a, a mitzvah is lo or not. So I saw that one of the that one of the wiki source sites, one of the wiki related websites, had like a little handy little matrix of which we showed them counted as uh, lav or not. They said Rambam. They said Rambam. No, Ramban. No, Smag. Yes, and we'll get to the Smag soon. So I said Ramban. No, but Ramban says in this in, in the in Shoresh Ches that uh, that it is. So, I, so it, it's a wiki. So I, I, I edited the page to say that, yes, actually, Ramban does count it as a mitzvah. So I checked back a day later, and I saw that on the talk page, someone had challenged me and says, but the Ramban only, the Ramban only rejects 17. Of the, the Ramban has a list of mitzvahs that the Rambam does count that he rejects, and corresponding to that, he has 17 that he adds. And his list of 17 does not include So obviously he doesn't count it, so I'm wrong. I wrote back to him, I said, if you read the Ramban further, the Ramban says besides the 17 he doesn't count, he also has, he also has other, other issues with the Rambam, and the Rambam, ultimately there are actually 31 mitzvahs that the, ultimately the Ramban in his final cheshmer in the end of the, the end of his Hasagah Sefer mitzvahs, he lists all the changes he has from the Rambam, he explicitly once again does count uh, does count as one of the 31 he adds over the Rambam again, you can read the whole cheshmer to see how it all balances out but um, so, so my correspondent agreed. He said, "You're right." He says, "We have to. We have to make. We have to update these pages to properly reflect the 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 the, 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 fin- the finality of the Ramban's count. That's the, the the wonders of the internet. We the, the, if you look at the page now, you will see it is uh, in its corrected version that the Ramban does actually count so as one of the as one of the Tariag mitzvahs." Right. Quote the date. Right. Right. Wikipedia will actually let you link to a specific date, a specific revision of a page. Right. You have to quote the date, what it said on a given date. Does the Ramban, does Ramban go into detail? I mean, why he understands that it's limited to the machlokas on the kahuna? I mean, that's his own. I, I think it's just for the context, the context of the circum. It goes on about Zikar of Yisrael, Ashaloya Kravishdar. I think the whole context, yeah, I don't know if he has an absolutely right. compelling yeah. proof or it just it's his no. impression right. of the context, but yeah, it's a good point. So there are Rishonim, though, who do, who, who do seem to understand that Lo Yechach is a lav, and, it, and in its broadest sense, like the Pasha Shah of the Gemara, that it does refer to any machlokas. And this, these are the smag and Rebbein particularly as understood by the Chavetz Chaim. The smag is actually interesting. The smag discusses Lo Yechach The smag is also has a count of the, of the mitzvahs, Sefer Mitzvahs Gadol. is also a Sefer Mitzvahs, an organizing of Halacha Alpi, the, the mitzvahs of the Torah. 
the smag has a discussion of a brief reference to so it's actually buried in an entirely different context. The smag is writing about the Pasuk and Kedoshim, Lo Sashok is of Lo Sigzel. So Oshek and Gezel, Lo Sashok and Lo Sigzel, both refer to theft. The, they, they used to say, when I was growing up, they used to say that Eskimos have about 120 words for snow because snow is a very important part of their culture. I'm not sure if that itself is true or an urban legend, but the general idea that cultures have a lot of words for important concepts, the Torah has a lot of words for stealing. The Torah has Gzela and Gneva and Oshek and Shlichus Yad. I mean, not, not about 100, but the Torah has a lot of words for stealing. So what is, it? What is Los Ashek and what is Los Sigzel? So one Gemara says that Gzela is you know, shoplifting, or shoplifting might be Gneva, but you know, grabbing something away, snatch and grab, you know, armed robbery, that, that Gzela is taking something by force, purse snatching or carjacking maybe. Um, and seizing property. Oshek is uh, more white-collar gzela. Oshek is, Oshek is someone, someone lends you money, or you have someone's money in custody, and when he asks for it back, you refuse to return it. And, and, and you're too tough, uh, you're, you're resistant to the, you're too strong for him, and he can't get it back. So, and maybe it's also bold-faced gneva, and it might, but, but the point is, you're not grabbing, you're just uh, withholding money that you should be returning to its proper owner. That's one Gemara, that Gezel and Oshek are both different versions of theft, and that would be maybe two of the Tariq mitzvahs, says the Smag. However, there's another Gemara, the Gemara brings a member of Rava. Rava says, no, Zeo Oshek, Zeo Gezel, they're, they're, both, they're really synonyms, they both mean the same thing. The Torah wrote it twice in two different words to tell you that you're over two laven. For any kind of theft, theft is so terrible you, that, it, uh, the Torah, that you get two laven for it. If that's the Pshat, says the Smag, then that only counts as one in the Tariq Mitzvah. Just like when the Torah told you about you know, dozens of times to keep Shabbos and to not, treat, to not mistreat the ger and so on, that doesn't become 30 separate lavim in the Tariq. That becomes one lav reiterated number, a number of times to, to impose upon you, to impress upon you the severity of the Isser. So then we're missing one lav from the, carefully, uh, from the careful count. If we, if we count Osher and Gezel as one, how do we make it up? Says this mag, he pulls a rabbit out of his hat, the, the extra lav is Amarav, Kalamaxi Vamaklokis, over Balav, Shnerbalikarak Vakadaso. Smag so Smag says that's the extra lav. What happens if you hold like the other town of the Gemara that Oshik and Gezel is two? Then you don't calculate it. Maybe you learn like the Rambam then, the Liakharak Vakadaso is not a lav. I don't know. But I'll call upon him, at least according to one view, the Smag says the lav is, like Rav said, Kalamaxi Vamaklokis over Balav, Shinamarav Liakharak Vakadaso. Rabbi Yona. So Rabbi Yona, of course, was a, was the, is the author of the Shari Tshuva, one of the great medieval classics of Musr. Rabbi Yona was also a great halachist. He's quoted by, by, by the Rashba and, and other, other Spanish Rishonim as a, by the Tur, as a major authority. The, today we resulted to the Aliyah to Yona, which is the source of many of the Psakim of the, on, on Babasra, for example. But, but he was a major influence on later, later Rishonim. It's actually, it's actually I, I used to remark that the, the Aliyah Rabbi Yona is a beautiful sefer. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's long, but it's very, very clear. It's lucid. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, very, it's, it's, very, it's very, it's very easy to understand. It's uh, not because it's not sophisticated, but because he, he writes very, very clearly, very, very, uh, very carefully and lucidly. Because he, because it's a little bit long, the Rishonim tended to abbreviate what he said and summarize. So the, so the quotes for, for, for hundreds of years, Aliyah Rabbi Yona was published relatively recently for hundreds of years. The, the Achronim dealt with the Rebbe through through these terse, one-line synopses of what he said in the Tur or the Rush, and sometimes there were misunderstandings about what he said because the, the Tur's language was ambiguous. Today we have the Leah's Rebbe which can very often 
clarify exactly what he meant because it's the. How is it structured, Rabbi? It's on Shas. It's it's on it's on the what Ali Brinian is on Baba Basra. So it's arranged by the Daf. He I forget the exact structure. A lot of it is uh, like kind of line by line of going to the sugi. He also has like Olabiadenu. He has these sections where he summarizes like a blot of the sugi or tells you kind of the the, the takeaways. But it's, it's roughly on the Masechta with with the with kind of helpful summaries because it's a long sefer with uh, halachic summaries and so on. So he was a great halachist, and his for years the most famous work we had from him was before they published Elias Rabbeinu. The most famous actual work was the Shari Tshuva. But the Chavetz Chaim always points out that even though the Shari Tshuva is a Musar Sefer, one section of Shari Tshuva, Shar Gimel, is, is, is very halachic. He lists, he lists as part of the Sefer all kinds of halachas and mitzvahs that a person has to be careful about violating and do Tshuva for if he violates. And it's written a little bit like a Sefer Mitzvah, like an informal Sefer Mitzvah, but his language is, is very precise and very careful. And the Chavetz Chaim, I think, makes the point that we can learn halacha from it, despite the fact that it's not overall a halachic work. Rabbeinu Yona counts Liyachacharafuchadaso. That is a lav. He says, brings the Gemara again. Kol hamaksim machlok is over belav. Shenemar Liyachacharafuchadaso. Good. So the Chavetz Chaim. It's interesting. Even though the Rambam says it's not a lav at all, and even though the Ramban says it is a lav, but it's limited to bimaksika machlokas alakuhuna, the Chavetz Chaim seems to paskin, or at least be choshesh for the shita of the smag in Rabbeinu Yona. Chavetz Chaim talks about this in at least two places. One of them is in the Mishnah Brewer. The, the Mishnah Brewer and the famous Simon Kufnun Vav. Simon Kufnun Vav is a, uh, an interesting Simon. It's the, at the very end of Hilchas Tvila, right before Hilchas Brachas started. At the very end of Hilchas Tvila, so that after you've gone through Tachnun and Kriyas and the Kapayim and everything, so the, the Shulchan Aruch says, after you, a person finishes davening, he leaves the Basic Nessus and goes out to his, uh, goes out to his daily affairs, and some of the Akronim there decided to write like a mini Shulchan Aruch of all the halachas there that a person has to be aware of when he goes about his daily business outside the base Midrash, outside the base Knesset, all kinds of halachas, Lashon Hara and everything, all kinds of stuff. Magan Avram has this, this humongous Magan Avram where he just goes through a laundry list of halacha after halacha, mitzvah after mitzvah a person has to be aware of when he goes out and, and goes, about his, goes about his day in the world. And the Mishabur also brings some from the Magan Avram, some from other sources, just all kinds of miscellaneous halachas that I guess that are not clearly discussed elsewhere in Shulchan Aruch, gives you a list of all kinds of things to, to be careful about, to be medactic in when you go about your daily business. Chavetz Chaim says, Yesh kama mitzvahs tudirios, as and velavin, that a person is incumbent on a person to be, to be meticulous about, they're not brought in Shulchan Aruch. Some of them are in the Magen Avram, from the Rambam, and other Rishonim. There are all kinds of Musr from Chazal. I'm going to bring some of them also, he says. And one of them is, Shlola haksif machlokas, shenem smag, this is, this is a mitzvah, not like the Rambam. It's not limited to kahuna like the Ramban. In general, don't be maxifu machlokas like the Smag says. Chavetz Chaim elaborates on this a little bit in the famous introduction to his Sefer Chavetz Chaim. So Chavetz Chaim is on Hilchus Lashon Hara. In the famous introduction, he says there are 31 various mitzvahs, mitzvah saseh, mitzvah losaseh, orrors, imprecations of the Torah, that not all apply in every case of Lashon Hara, but all of them are things that a person can run afoul of in various contexts of Lashon Hara. So, one of them, he says, is Maxik Mumaklokas. If the Lashon Hara, as it sometimes is, 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 is part of being Maxik Mumaklokas, then you violate, uh, which is, you, know, you, don't, you don't need a very vivid imagination to think of you know, contemporary cases or cases where there, there is great Maklokas and part of the Maklokas is telling Lashon Hara. A person is over Balav, It's an Azhara, not like the Rambam. It's an Azhara, it's a mitzvah. Nati Maxik Mumaklokas, as per the Gemara and Sanhedrin. 
In the Bermayim Chayim, he says, that's what the Gemara says. Look at this Magen Rebbeinu Yonah. Mashem Yidareim Shulav Gomer. It's a real prohibition. Then he says, look in the Sefer Mitzvah Shoreshches in the Ramban, which of course say it's not a real prohibition. The Ramban says it's not a real prohibition at all. Ramban says just an asmachta. Ramban says it is, but it's limited to Kuna. The Chavetz Chaim seems to focus on the Smag and Rebbeinu Yonah that it is a real prohibition and it's not limited to Kuna. I don't know if he's actually passing that way al Alacha, or it's just. You know, clearly, Machlokas is terrible anyway. Chazal clearly wanted you to avoid it, but Derech Machta, so you might as well focus on the smog because no one says Machlokas is mutter when it's not uh, when, when, when it's not on Kahuna. But whatever it is, the Chavetz Chaim leans toward the toward the toward the broadest interpretation that it's a lav gummer and that it applies to any type of Machlokas, not just Kahuna. The Chavetz Chaim goes on and he says it certainly applies to one who tells Lashon Hara, to one who relates Lashon Hara. It may even apply, he says, to one who listens to Lashon Hara because. By encouraging it, by not discouraging it, by not showing disapproval, he's fomenting it. He's cause he's instigating more lashonara to be told. So by the, you, it takes two to tell lashonara. So by I mean today we have the internet, so you don't you don't need to. You just go ahead and type it onto a website somewhere. But uh, but uh, spoken lashonara typically needs two. That the one who says it is only talking as long as he has a receptive audience, a listener. So by by listening by and, and by not shutting the conversation down, tremendous chiddush. The Chavetz Chaim says you may actually be over the. The lava being Maxipa Machlokas as well. I want to talk a little bit about a series of Gemara and Gemaras and Gitten. There, there are several Gemaras and Gitten that talk about a certain Chacham called Geneva. Geneva or Geneva. For some reason, there's a whole bunch of Gemaras that, that discuss him in Gitten. I think there are one or two Gemaras elsewhere in Shas, but there seems to be a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of Gemaras that deal with this interesting character in Gitten. He was apparently a great Talmud Chacham, as we'll see, but he had a fatal flaw that he was also a Baal Machlokas. Apparently the lesson of the Gemara is these things are not always incompatible. You can have people who are great Chachamim but also have this uh, problematic character trait of being Baal Machlokas. And he came to a bad end. He was apparently executed by the, by the government. The implication, the, the suggestion is that, that this was somehow a punishment for his Machlokas. The, the first Gemara says, Rav Huna and Rav Chista were sitting together. Geneva passed by. Rav Huna and Rav Chista, one of them said to the other, we should stand up for him, because he's a Barurian, he's a Talmud Chacham. Should we stand up in front of a, a Baal Machlokas? He doesn't deserve it. We shouldn't stand up for him. So while they were debating this point, he approached them, and he started talking to them about Torah, then about Agada. They, they had a conversation about Torah. Okay. doesn't say whether they actually stood up or not, but it seems the implication of the, the way the story is understood is that the, the correct approach was, no, we should not stand up, because he's a Baal Machlokas. The Gemara has a very similar story later in Gittin. The, the first Gemara is on Laman Aleph. The second Gemara is on Samach Beis. The Gemara says again, the sto- second story starts the same way. Rav Huna and Chista were sitting together. Geneva passed by. One of them said, let's stand up for him. He's a Barurian. The other one said, he's a Palga. We shouldn't stand up for him. Again, he approached them, and then they had a further discussion about Torah. Uh, in this conversation, what, one, one of the things they discussed was they offered him something to eat, and he said, I can't eat because I haven't fed my animals yet. And it says, it says, And then it says, You're not allowed to eat before you feed your animals. This is the basis of a famous halacha, that, you are, that it's oster for a person to eat until he feeds his animals. With pets, it can be relevant. We had our chickens uh, we had in the backyard. We have to worry. My wife used to get up and feed the chickens before she had her morning coffee at, uh, and so on. Discussion whether it applies to drinking or not. 
Hakalpanim. So this story starts the same way that Kneva was approaching. They debated whether to stand up for him. It might be the same story. It might have started the same way. And the Gemara just relates a different phase of the conversation. It might have been a different story. They had the same conversation twice. Anyway, this Gemara reiterates and underscores this point that on the one hand he was a Barurian. Apparently he was a distinguished Talmud On the other hand, he was a Palgat. He was a Balmachlokis. So they did not want to stand up for him. What was his machlokus? That's also a Gemara in Gittin. Early in the Masechta on Daf, early in the Masechta on Daf Zion, the Gemara says that Marukva asked Rabbi Elazar. He said, "I have a problem." Bnei Adam, there are certain people. Those people were Gneva, as the story makes clear later. There are certain people who are bothering me. They're giving me a hard time. Omdimalai. And I have the power to inform upon them to the government, and the government will punish them. And can I do that? So he told him, no, you should not do that. He brought a pasuk into Hillam, Eshmerah drachai mechato, I will guard my ways from sin. Eshmerah lefi machsom, I will, I will keep a curb on my tongue. Ba'odrashel anegdi, when the wicked is before me. The Gemara Dashim is a pasuk to mean, even when there's a rashel anegdi, even when there's someone who richly deserves some kind of punishment, Eshmerah lefi machsom, don't inform on him. That's not the way to go. So he wrote back, he said, they're giving me a really hard time. I can't tolerate this. Whatever they're doing, it's, uh, it's, it's making me miserable. He told him, still, do it anyway. He brought another pasuk, he brought a pasuk that says, another pasuk in Tehillim, which the Gemara Dashim to mean, you be silent and resign yourself to Hashem. Hashem will take care of them. Hashem will render them cadavers. Hashem will will put an end to them. Hashkim midrash. you just uh, get up early to the base of Midrash and stay late in the base of Midrash. You, you do your avodah Hashem. Let Hashem worry about what to do with these people. Hadavar Yachipir Belazar. Belazar said this, Unusanuhu Ligniva Bekolar. Geneva was then put on death row. Kolar was the chain. It was the symbol of someone who was going to be executed by the government. Geneva was then sentenced to death. And Geneva, the Mepharshim explained, he was the one who was giving Marek for this trouble. He was the, the one who was causing him all this intolerable tsar. And that's apparently the Machlokas. When it says he was a Palga, either it meant this story or it meant that this is an example of how, how Geneva behaved. He was, uh, despite being a Barurian, he was someone who was uh, a thorn in the sides of others because he was a Bal Machlokas. The Gemara has one final story later in the Masechta. Geneva Yotzeb Akolar, again, it, re- it, this, it relates the, the, the final days of Geneva. It says, as he was being taken out to be executed, he made a kind of will, a last will and testament. He says, Havu Arba Me'azuzi L'Rabi Avina Me'charmazin Harpanya. I have some wine, give 400 zuz of the wine. Limar discusses uh, some halachas in, in the laws of wills over there. So anyway, this was Geneva. He was, a, he was apparently a Barurian. At the same time, he was a, uh, a, a Palga. Apparently it happens sometimes. You can have someone who is a, uh, a Barurian. At the same time, he's a, he's a Palga. I remember there, there was a certain great Talmud Chacham, not of our generation, from several hundred years ago, who was uh, an outstanding Talmud Chacham. He, 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 his farm are still widely learned today. He's still considered one of the greatest of the uh, Gedele Torah of the last several hundred years. He was also famous for being a very, very difficult person. He had uh, major quarrels with numerous other Gedolim of his time. He was uh, apparently a very, a very difficult person to get along with. So I remember once remarking to a Chavrusa of mine, a very uh, erudite uh, fellow, I said, I have a very hard time understanding, understanding this figure. I said he was unquestionably uh, one of the Gedolei Adar of his time, and yet it seems he was such a difficult person to get along with. 
My friend, who is, I guess, a little bit irreverent, he said, well, you know, I guess you don't always have to be a mensch. You don't always have to be uh, perfect in your midas to be a great Talmud Chacham. And the truth is, the, the, Me'iri, the Me'iri makes a similar point about this Gemara. The Me'iri says the lesson of this Gemara about Gneva is Talmud Chacham, he says, if he's not Mitsuyin B'midosav, if he's not outstanding and excellent in his midas, V'tachsisav, his, his, his modes of conduct, he says, there's such a thing, you can have a Talmud Chacham who knows a great deal, he's a Barurian, but his midas leaves something to be desired. Said so the lesson is the Miri says, Ein shar chachamim chachamim. Other chachamim do not have to award the respect that's normally due to a Talmud Chacham. That's the lesson of Geneva, he says. He was uh, he was a Barurian, yes, he was a Talmud Chacham. However, Palga wrote to Lomar, Balmariva, Machlokas. He was a quarrelsome person, a person who engaged in Machlokas. He's the one Marukva bent in the in the first barrack who said that he's 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 bothering me intolerably. I don't know what to do with him. So yeah, so he, was, uh, he, was a, he was a great Talmud Chacham, but he was fatally flawed. He had this terrible uh, character of Machlokas, and the, the implication of the Gemara is that's why he ended up uh, meeting a, uh, a terrible end. Rav Yashuv, they bring in the name of Rav Yashuv. Really just Pasha Pashan of the Gemara, but he says, he says, what happened here in this Gemara? He says that, he says, Rav Huna was one of the greatest of the Chachmei Gemara. It says, even Rav Ami and Rav Asi, who were the Hashivi of Ard Yisrael, the distinguished men of Ard Yisrael, were differential toward Ravuna. Despite Ravuna's greatness, Ravuna and Ravchista were the two Amorayim who were discussing getting, standing up for Gneva. They were willing to defer to Gneva, who was a Barurian. So Gneva must have been, he wasn't just uh, a fellow who knew, who, knew, who knew some Torah. Gneva must have been an outstanding Talmud Chacham. Nevertheless, they said, we don't stand up for him because he is a Baal Machlokas, he's a Palga. He, he, was, he must have been Mekayim Mitzvahs. If, if he wasn't a Shomertar Mitzvah, he certainly wouldn't have stood up for him. So he was, he was a Talmud Chacham, he was a Shomer Torah Mitzvah, and Afal Pikain, because he had this terrible trait of, he brings the Meiri, that uh, even if, sometimes you have to make a Machlokah, sometimes there are things worth protesting or fighting against, but even then, with civility, with, uh, with, with some kind of bounds, there's, uh, there's, a way, there's, there's a way to quarrel as well. And Geneva had apparently, according to the Gemara, the Gemara's teaching us, Geneva had overstepped these bounds, and Geneva therefore was... Obviously, at least in the general colloquial context, machlokis, when we talk about it, means like about some, not, not just a quarrelsome, someone, someone can be more than a nudnik, obviously, but like someone can be quarrelsome, but like doesn't machlokis mean about a principle, about a pesach, or, or not Right, so, so you're pointing out that we often use the word machlokis to mean machlokis b'shaim b'shilel, machlokis uh, you know, the Mar uses the word machlokis all often to mean it, the Mar uses the word machlokis all over to mean a, a, a machlokis about ideas, right. not a machlokis about people, and con- not what we would call controversy, more like a disagreement about, uh, about Torah. Right, obviously that's not the kind of machlokis that Chazal were criticizing. Chazal would seem to refer to uh, like, like the Mishnah Perkei Avos. The Mishnah Perkei Avos says that uh, the language of the Mishnah is, it says that we have it says, Kol machlokis yilashem shemayim sofilus kayim, she'en l'shem shemayim ain't sofilus kayim. This Mishnah actually uses the word machlokis in both senses. The first sense, the good sense of l'shem shemayim, machlokis hil v'shamayim. It wasn't personal, it was uh, it, it wasn't personal, it was about Torah. Machlokas she'en l'shem shemayim was machlokas korah v'kaladaso which was not L'Shem Shemayim, and it did involve, it did involve personalities. It went beyond, uh, it was a challenge to Moshe, it was insults and full of slurs to Moshe. Yeah, so it, it, sometimes it can be, it, it can, the, the line gets a little blurry. With, for, for some, sometimes the issue is so important. You know, there were great issues, uh, the Hasidim and the Misnagdim, or the, the Zionism right. and anti-Zionism. Sometimes the issues are, are so, are, are, so much is at stake 
that the, the machloka shades over from being purely about ideas and it shades over into, into you know, character assassination and, uh, and right. bitterness. So and I, 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 I don't know the, the Gemara in Kitten, but just the way the Griffin just described it, it sounded like Geneva could have just been like, I don't know, <laughs> calling people names. Did that make yeah. someone a bar machloka? Right. Like right. It, it sounds like the issue was he was harassing him or he was, uh, he, he was challenging his authority yeah, or he, yeah. he was somehow yeah, undermining, undermining him, him. Yeah. not just disagreeing about a matter of halacha. That actually takes us to, this whole thing takes us to a, a, a very interesting tshuva. Going back to contemporary times, there's a tshuva of Rabbi Yehuda Herzl Henkin, in, the, in his tshuva's B'nai Banim. Rabbi Henkin passed away uh, a year or two ago, I think, one of, one, one of the great post-game in Eretz Yisrael. He was a grandson of Rabbi Yosef Elio Henkin from, from the Gedolei from the Torah in America in the previous generation. Um, that's why he called a sefer B'nai Banim. It was a homage to his, uh, his exalt, his uh, venerable grandfather. So Rabbi Yehud Herzl Henkin was a fascinating figure. He was affiliated with the Dati Lumi community in Eretz Yisrael, but he was, uh, he was an independent-minded thinker, very independent-minded. He was particularly interested in women's issues. Uh, much of his work deals with issues of Tzniyus and, and so on. Very, very, you know, brilliant post very, very independent-minded Shuvas tend to be long very often because they have all kinds of sources and analysis, mixture of Iyun and Kiyos. So he has a, a very interesting Shuva. The, the title, the, this is written in Tufshin Nun, so about 30, 30 plus years ago. The title of the Shuva is Talmud Chacham Shehifkir Ba'acherim. A certain Talmud Chacham who behaved uh, very um, disparagingly, very dismissively toward other Talmud Chachamim, toward other people. In Trichim Lachabdo, do we still need to respect the first Talmud Chacham, this uh, very vehement Talmud Chacham? Throughout the Tshuva, he doesn't name explicitly who he's referring to. Anytime he refers to this person, he refers to him as Le two, and he puts in parentheses, Gadol Echad, as it would obviously change from the original. It is perfectly clear, though I'm not sure why he bothers with the coyness, it is perfectly clear that the Talmud Chacham he's referring to is Reviol Teitelbaum, the Satmar Rebbe. That, that becomes quite evident through the Tshuva. Satmar Rebbe, of course, was a, uh, was a uh, very pugnacious figure. He, was, uh, he had uh, very little tolerance for those he opposed on matters like Zionism and so on. And the question was apparently from someone in the Datilumi world who asked Rabbi Yudur Tzalhenkin, what should be my, my, my attitude toward the Satmar Rebbe? He says, he says yeah, I've heard, I've read what he says, that he thinks that... Uh, me and most of the world are apikursim, he says. We don't, have, we don't follow his views on Zionism and so on. So how should I deal with him? Should I say Zatzal when I, when I refer to him? Should I honor him? Should I speak negatively of him? What should be my attitude toward the Satmar Rebbe? So first he has a long, long section on Zatzal. Where he goes through the halachas of Zatzal. Who do you have to say it for? A father, a Rebbe, any Talmud Chacham. He goes, he goes through pages of analysis. He concludes that the Ikra Din, there's no need to say Zatzal on the Satmar Rebbe, he says, he's not your Rebbe, he says, you're not quoting him, so there's no need to say Zatzal, even on someone who's a great Talmud Chacham, if you're not actually quoting him. He says, the Minog also, he says, the Minog is, we don't consistently use words like Zatzal, we refer to Ramosha, we refer to, we refer to great Chachamim of the previous generation, we don't always say Zatzal, if we're writing very formally, we do, but when we write, when we, when we, when we, if we refer to them, we, we, don't, we don't regularly, routinely say Zatzal. My own grandfather, he said, people called him Rav Henkin, he says, like he was called when he was alive. The, the idea of Shlita is, is relatively a, a less serious thing. The Gemara talks about Zatzal as a, as a formal honorific, saying something while somebody's alive. The Wormen Hagim to do that. They used to say Nun Reshvav for Natrachmanu Parke or Nun Yud for Nero Yair. Today we say Shlita a lot. 
but Zatzal was much more of a uh, much more of a thing in the Gemara. But even that, but he says, uh, he, but, he, but he says, even Zatzal, people don't always say Rav Hankin Zatzal. They say uh, he was the the God Ladar, Adar in America. He says people had great respect for him. But they don't always say Zatzal. You don't have to say Zatzal. He says. He says unless the one exception is he says, the one exception is he says that unless you're mentioning him together with other people and you're saying Zatzal for them. And you're, and you're going to leave the title off from him, that already is an insult, he says. That already is more than just not Zatzal. That you're making an invidious distinction. You're saying you're Zatzal and you're not. This was, the, this was what angered people, many people very, very much uh, several decades ago when Rav Salvechik was Nifter. So the Jewish Observer had uh, an obituary of him where they didn't say anything that was actually negative, but it was a question of damning with faint praise. It was what they didn't say and what they didn't write. Many people were furious, and it was this kind of thing that... They left out the Sadi, okay. Maybe that was part of it, but it was, that, that was the idea. It wasn't anything they said that was wrong, but it was what they didn't say compared to what they would usually say, what they said for other people. So that's where, uh, that's where Yehud Erzl Hankin is saying over here that uh, if you're doing it in such a way which, so again... People say Rav Hankin, they don't say Zatzal. You can say that you can say, you can say Rav Yael, the Rav Teitelbaum, and not to say Zatzal, it's the same thing, they say. He said, Third Tzama Rebbe, you don't have to say Zatzal. Now, what about actually showing respect for him or disrespect? He says, he says, I don't really want to get involved in the Shaila, he says. But then he, then he does get involved. He says, he says, he says something uh, really, really provocative, really bizarre. He says, my grandfather said about the Satmar Rebbe that if he, was, if, he would have been, if he would have lived during the time of the Beis Mikdash, he would have become a Zakin Mamre. He says, my grandfather didn't mean to insult him. Didn't mean, you know, I think that would be an insult, calling somebody a Zakin Mamre. But he says, it was not a Pegia Bitsud because Zakin Mamre also was a gun in a Tzaddik. You have to be on the Sanhedrin. You can't, you can't make it to the Sanhedrin without being uh, a gun in a Tzaddik. So he says, he says what, my, what my grandfather meant was, he says, that what's a Zakin Mamre? It's someone who is so committed to his position, he can never give in. No matter how many people are against him, no matter, no matter the consensus and other Chacham disagree with him, he's simply incapable of giving in. He simply cannot give up his, his position, he says. That's what my grandfather meant, that this Mida of Oso Gadol, that he was Cholik al Kol HaOlam, had he, had he behaved that way, Bisman Abayas, that would have made him become a Zakin Mamre, his inability to, uh, to compromise and to concede to the, the consensus view, but it's not actually an insult. Okay, I'm not sure exactly what that means. Maybe he means he wouldn't have actually gone that far of his mana bias. I'm not really sure. But anyway, he says, yes, this was a noted characteristic of the Satmar Rebbe, that he was uh, uncompromising, absolutely unyielding. He simply could not, uh, could not make his peace with a view that he did not believe to be correct. However, he says, fine, so that, that's already a position we can respect. He says, however, that which he was hifkir barov ha'olam, he, he behaved uh, dismissively, disparagingly toward most of the world, even to Tamilicham, toward Tamilicham for Samim, that's very difficult. That's all part of his sheet, he says, that say what I hold and, and make no, take no account of what anybody else holds. He didn't care that Kedoli Olam, for example, admired Rav Cook and, and, and uh, like Rav Zalman Meltzer said, that he referred to him as Gaon Yisrael Vatifarto, Rav Rav Yitzchak Cook, he says, that other Gedoli Torah, who surely Gedoli Torah, like Rav Zalman Meltzer, referred to Rav Cook as in, 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 with great honor. Okay, see, he didn't care. Sam Rebbe held what he held, and he didn't care what anybody else held. He says, However, he says, uh, even if he thought, uh, Rav Cook said Kvira, he says, even if he thought that the Zionist Chacham said Kvira, it's still not a reason to get so carried away, he says. The Gemara says about Rabbi Hillel, this is not the Rabbi Hillel of, uh, this is not Hillel Azakin, this was a later Amara called Hillel. He says, Hillel believed that uh, Mashiach would not come. Hillel believed that the Nevuahs, 
of, of Yeshaya, about the Chotzer, Migeza Yishai, and so on, refer, refer to Chizkiya, and, 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 we're not, and, and there, there's nothing that refers to a future Mashiach, so the whole, uh, the, the whole Iker of Vyasa uh, Mashiach Animam and Rav Hill didn't believe that. So the Gemara says, Charlie Murray, may Hashem forgive him for making such a terrible mistake. The Gemara doesn't call him an Apicarus, he says. The Gemara doesn't say, the Gemara doesn't insult him. The Gemara doesn't say, The Gemara says, he made a terrible mistake, may Hashem forgive him. So that's the way to disagree with you. You think someone's making a terrible mistake about a matter of Abuna, so say, it's a terrible mistake, I hope Hashem forgives him. But to use language like the Sabbath did, he said, even Elisha and Avuya, we don't find Chazal uh, spoke of disrespectfully like that. The Mar did speak pretty disrespectfully about Minim. The Mar talks about Mar has these stories about Minim where it makes mocks them and ridicules them. And but I guess Chachamim, who made mistakes in theology, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. Let's not mavaza them. He says, and he says, all right. He says, uh, he says, he says. Most, most posts can don't agree with the Satmar Rebbe. Most posts can reject his extreme views on the Gimel Shvuos and so on. So, so his position to Mavaza, the Chacham who disagreed with him, is, is, is not okay. It's problematic, he says. And therefore, his con- he goes on for a while about this, and his conclusion is, he says, his conclusion is, after several more, another you know, lengthy discussion, is he says that, unfortunately, people learn from the, from the, from the Satmarav to speak like this about those they disagree with, about the, about the Zionists they disagree with, he says. This is spreading, that this kind of poisonous discourse, he says. So he says. To, to, so he says to, to show honor to the Satmarav. At this point, he says, "Is, is, is you're being machzik today those who are mavazet to the chachamim and you're garim achil l'Hashem." He says, "Kol makom sheish chil l'Hashem and chol kavod l'Rav." Sof davar. His bottom line is, "Gam barek lo sivarachenu." Echoing the words from from Balak to Bilam, if you don't gam barek lo sivarachenu, gam kala lo sekalenu. Don't uh, don't show cover to the Satmarav, but also don't insult him. Just uh, just he's a he's a problematic figure. He says. And just uh, neither neither should you speak so respectfully about him. Neither also do you need to uh, excoriate him. And just uh, you know, then that's it. He says. The I'll just close with one last thing. We mentioned earlier the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos. What's l'shem shemayim? Hill What's l'shem shemayim? Karach There's another Mishnah in Pirkei Avos. Rabbi Yaakov Emden, Knesia, also in, in, in rabbinic Hebrew, Knesia can mean church. Rabbi Yaakov Emden could have brought on the first Mishnah, he goes on this Mishnah, he says, I don't understand, he says, there are two groups, two religions that have been that have been, uh, that, that are Cholkim of Cholkos or Lenu, so it's, uh, it's Knesia, it's Machlokas, he says, that uh, the Christians and the Muslims, and they're doing very well, they're very successful, they're so full of and they've gone on for hundreds and hundreds of years. I guess you can argue that by the time Mashiach comes, maybe they'll be, uh, they'll fall by the wayside, but certainly in, in Balam Hazay, he says, they've been doing, uh, they've been doing very well, they're, they're, they're growing and, and growing in strength, they, they rule the whole world, Miyam, Miyam Adyam, he says, and uh, they both disagree with each other. They both disagree with us, he says. So surely he says, uh, see, surely he says that, that what happened to, uh, what happened to this, uh, what happened, he says, can you see a shame, he says, that these uh, can you see us are not l'shem shemayim? 
So how can they be so successful? How can they? How can this go on? He says. He says no. He says that you think. First of all, he says a nation is not the same as a knesia, but he says no. It's not a theory to the mission. He says. He says. He says. He says compared to what had gone before them, the pagan religions, the religions of the idolaters, it's a vast improvement. He says that they did wonderful things. They they brought so much amuna to the world. These religions they spread so much of the important truths and the the, the monotheistic beliefs. Even if the Christians have you know problems with shita for. Trinity says, but they, 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 they did so much good, he says, and he says, even though they have shituf, it's not their fault, it's a mistake, he says, also they do wonderful things for Klal Yisrael, I mean, this is kind of boggles the mind, the Christians and the Muslims have behaved horribly toward the Jews for much of the history, but he says, if not for them, the, 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 the real anti-Semites would have really destroyed us, he says, and in his Pirush and Avos, Lechem Shemayim, or um, he writes, because he says uh, Hashem, Hashem and his great chesed for us provided us with the Chach Edom and the Yishma'elim, that for us, he says, that they, because we share some aspects of the same Torah, the famous Judeo-Christian tradition, and uh, it, it's the Tipshim, it's the, it's the uneducated boars, it's, it's, it's the stupid people who are cause us all the trouble, he says, but the, the Pichim Shabahem, the enlightened ones, he says, we know it was often the Galachim who were the ones who were whipping up the rabble into mobs and to... Uh, Unfortunately, the popes weren't always the friends of the Jews. All right, but he, he's looking at this very optimistically. The true Chachamim, the true enlightened Christians, they're the ones who, uh, who did great things for us, he says. They have this unwavering commitment to truth, he says, and they, they've absolved us from guilt. I mean, they were often the ones who accused us of uh, deicide, but I guess the modern Christians also have uh, patterned us from that. And they, they understand that we keep the Torah, he says. There are machseh for us. So he says that, uh, and he goes on and on like this, and he says that the, this is not an exception to the idea of Kinesiel Shalol Hashem Shemayim. This is something that, again, they're not perfect. They, they, they leave something to be desired. They're not ultimately the correct religions, he said, but, they, but, uh, but, but there's tremendous good in them, the tremendous good in theology and helping set the world straight on a much better path than they used to be, and, and they're actually very good for the Jews as well. So again... You know, the glass is half full, the glass is half empty, I guess. You know, there have been times where the Christians have been our, and the Muslims have been our worst problem in the world, and there are times where they've been, today we often stand you know, shoulder to shoulder with them and fighting uh, secular, today it's not so much uh, fighting against paganism, today it's more about materialism and atheism and, uh, <coughs> and in general uh, the certain aspects of a progressive worldview that are uh, opposed to traditional, traditional values. So yeah, so the glass is half full and half empty, depending on how you look at it, I guess. But if Yaakov Emden was willing to say, because Al talked about a machloka, shalol l'shem shemayim, and uh, he's focusing on the kinesia, shalol l'shem shemayim, the, the, the Christians may not be the ones they had in mind. The Christians and the Muslims may are not necessarily the ones Chazal had in mind when they said that a group which is a kinesia, a gathering, which is, which is shalol l'shem shemayim, korach, korach is like that, he says. Korach is, I mean, the, 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 the korach is machloka, shalol l'shem shemayim, he says the Karaites, the Tzedukim, the Baitusim, the various Jewish sectarians, they're the ones who have been, uh, who, have, who are motivated by, 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 by malice and by free thinking. They want to be Parik al terrorists. They made up these other doctrines. These are the ones who are, who, are, who are terrible, terrible problems, he says. They're also doing, unfortunately, they're very successful. They also have, uh, they're doing quite well. I mean, well, mostly unaffiliated is doing well. Organized reform is not doing all that well. And organized conservatism is not doing all that well. But uh, I guess unaffiliated is doing well. But um, yeah, unfortunately. Anyway, yeah, so that's just one, one final perspective on this, uh, on this idea of L'shem Shemayim and Shalom L'shem Shemayim.